Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons? Klingons? Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. There was a, a ton of suspense in the uh, in the last episode we recorded because we were we were getting emails about screeners and wondering if we were going to get to go to the... Uh, uh, I, I guess we were wondering if we were going to both get to go to the premiere. Yeah, and we just got back from the premiere tonight. We uh, We decided to... <laughs> Roll right into the episode uh, after right. consuming more than our fair share of delicious soft-baked cookies and the gift bag we were given on the way out. Oh, man, those soft-baked cookies. I uh, I never wanted to stop eating them. We got to give a free plug to Fleur Etzel, right? Fleur de Sel? Fleur Etzel, I guess, is a, a fancy bakery somewhere in L.A. Jesus. <laughs> We should, here's what we should do for the open. Like, mm. I, I posted a picture of us. The only picture we were allowed to take from from the event got posted both to at Greatest Trek on Twitter and at Greatest Trek on Instagram. The most popular photo we've ever posted to Instagram, by the way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really, <laughs> People really enjoyed it. And I think wow. one of the reasons that people really enjoyed it was they want to know what this stuff is like. What's it like to go to these yeah. events? And I want to share what that was like because I think it was a really unique experience we had tonight. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it's different from your uh, your pandemic premieres, which is uh, how we experienced Lower Decks the first time around. Mm-hmm. It was a. That was an all. I was kind of like a a really like high spec Zoom experience, basically. Right. Um, and this time, uh, we, we went to the studio lot. We went to, uh, uh, it was the CBS lot in studio city, the CBS lot. Okay. Yeah. All these lots. I, I mean, I know it's terrible to say, but they all look the same to me. We were relieved to both get invitations. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, what's fun about an invitation to a thing like this is that it's so regular for so many people and it is very unique yeah. to me right now because like i had the sort of stress that was like the la stress of well where am i gonna park hey idiot you're parking on the lot like yeah like you're going you're going through the gate you're telling them who you are you get pointed in the direction of where you want to park and there's a golf cart waiting for you to to drive you to the screening it's it's great They essentially built la around these lots so they anticipated the need for parking spaces (laughs) yeah The golf cart took us a hilariously short distance mm-hmm. from the uh, you know the parking at the at the front of the lot to where the the, the party was and, and it was a block party. They sectioned yeah. off a, a a like fake suburban street, like a bunch of um, false house fronts that uh, I guess they shoot like. We were trying to come up with what sitcom has used these houses as like the establishing shot of the family home, and we, yeah. we couldn't really pull it. But uh, we were like googling different sitcoms and trying to like see what the houses looked like to see if we could figure out which one was which. Yeah, this this Studio City lot had that that real mix of sound stages that look like airplane hangars, the the office buildings that you see in a lot of studio lots, and this weird suburban. <laughs> cul-de-sac area where there were like a hundred white Adirondack chairs uh, arranged next to next to some couches and they had like some food trucks there yeah and uh, and a and an open bar which was fun and and like all of the food and drinks had fun Star Trekky names like they really they thought about everything it was neat there was a Romulan ale fizz at, at this that was a blue drink that was the blue drink you got to have a blue yeah. drink at a Star Trek event you do this was the Romulan ale fizz and it was a gin based cocktail uh, which stunned me because we got sent ingredients for a whiskey-based cocktail that was called the Romulan Ale something when yeah. the Lower Decks premiered the first time. <laughs> they had uh, they had these claw game machines set up in several areas where uh, where every player is a winner. Yeah. 
You and I both got laughs out of Phil Lamar, who was waiting yeah. in line behind us to play the claw game. Uh-huh. I, I told him I'd pumped $300 and quarters into the machine and it wasn't worth it for just a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was great. It was, it's, it's a real fun experience to see somebody that you've seen be hilarious on TV for years and years and years and just like give them a little aside and get a laugh out of them like that. Totally. The, the same thing happened to me in the line for a drink. Jerry O'Connell's like right behind me, glad handing and, and back slapping. Come on, guys. What do you say? Tomcat's bet. And then I kind of turn around and and <laughs> notice him and he notices me and he's like, hey, man, thanks for coming to my party. Really appreciate it. <laughs> like big sturdy handshake. And I'm like, hey, thanks for having us all over to your houses. And then I gestured broadly to all of the fake houses in the neighborhood. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, it's really hard to uh, to keep up with the upkeep on all of these babies. But uh, really glad you made it. So it was yeah. fun to do bits with him. He was like a delight yeah. to be around. He was He was clearly like circulating and... Yeah. The whole cast was there uh, minus Jack Quaid, I think. Like yeah. the, the primary cast, I would say. Yeah, he said, I think they said he was shooting something in Canada right now. Um, Probably the boys. Oh, yeah. Mike McMahon got up and uh, gave, <laughs> I feel like he didn't really want to introduce season two, but he saw that there was still kind of a line getting processed at the bar and he wanted to like, he wanted to like stretch until everybody got served a drink so that well, by the dude, time we were responsible for that, we were like the last people in the bar line and poor Mike McMahon was like, I guess I got to uh, stretch the taffy. So these fucking Star Trek podcasters can finally like <laughs> stop drinking all the free booze. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel bad about it. I wanted a, a beverage to uh, consume while I was enjoying my, my free Star Trek cartoon. So Mike introduced it and and we took our seats right in front of a giant screen that was extremely bright. Yeah. And I've done like event iMag camera stuff for years and I feel like there has been a leap in quality to to how <laughs> these screens look. I was blown away like Yeah. Not to be a, a a nitpicker, but the brightness of these nits was bonkers. It was bonkers. It was I would say the the second episode, I, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but the second episode had a lot of flashes in it, and they mm -hmm. were so bright that they were actually kind of hurting my eyes. <laughs> yeah. We were also in like the second row. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, the couches were for the cast. They had like really fancy couches for the cast and Adirondack chairs for everyone else. Everybody that... Uh, took a seat, got a free Lower Decks themed blanket. Yeah. And we probably could have taken those throw pillows too, but I didn't really want a Star Trek throw pillow. I didn't think they were branded. I just thought they were regular throw pillows. Oh. I didn't notice a, a thing on them. So I, that's why I left mine behind. But I took everything that wasn't nailed down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the cookies and milk on the way out the door in the gift bag. It was uh, It was really cool. The whole experience was great. Yeah. It was it was awesome. I wish we hadn't gotten dinner before because it looked like those food trucks were really solid solid business. I know. It was also great to see our buddy Ben Fritz, who is a a great friend of the Greatest Discovery. He got you into the premiere of Star Trek Discovery back when yeah. we didn't even know what was what was coming toward us. New Trek season one. Yeah, I think that might have been one of the first times I met Ben Fritz in person. Yeah, yeah. was that hang. And uh, and now we've become good friends. Yeah, and he's kind of our our uh, our buddy at these uh, at these events. It's it's always nice to see him. Yeah, for sure. Well, Adam, uh, I think the cookies are uh, digesting. I'm worried about coming off my sugar high from all of those cookies. So I want to kind of get into the episode here. <laughs> I've got plenty of fuel, both both from the the Kirk's cucumber margaritas i had at the premiere and also these three cookies i'm ready to get into yeah. uh, star trek lower deck season two episode one drink every time you hear the phrase strange energies so we open on a cardassian prison asteroid and uh we can tell it's cardassian because there's lots of uh, galore class starships hanging around in this uh spooky asteroid field very moody open 
and uh, we come to an interrogation chamber where Mariner has like a pillowcase on her head and a uh, Cardassian uh, interlocutor is uh, preparing to torture her. Ready to talk? Yes. One of the things about regular Star Trek that Lower Decks has made me appreciate is in a scene like this where you you see the visual context of Cardassia or Cardassian adjacent base. Right. Through light. Mm-hmm. And like the joke of the four lights is definitely a part of this scene, but also like by lighting it differently through animation, you're, you're able to gather that sense of space so easily. Yeah. They really do a nice job with that. And, and the same was for the DS9 set that they did in season one right. and a few others. Like your sense of place is totally grounded. It really is. And uh, this scene winds up with Mariner kicking her ass and, and breaking her way out. Uh, I love the subtle detail of what she's wearing because I think that until the reveal of the joke is is made, you could just mistake it for Starfleet Black Ops uh, uniform. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's not what it is. Uh, she She's busting out of jail. She's got this Cardassian lady... You know, she's got like she's using her as a as a hostage and and shooting people on her way out. And they pass Boimler in a hallway, and he is in his DS nine late DS nine slash first contact uniform. Uh, he's got his extra pip. He's got uh, he's been he's been like uh, shackled to a wall. He's complaining about all the lights they keep showing him. And uh, she refers to him as a hologram and says that she's still mad at him for uh, betraying her and and leaving and not even saying goodbye. It's one of the subtle aspects about the whole scene that reveal drip by drip that it is a holodeck program before Jennifer shows up. What do you want, Jennifer? Ugh, what are you doing? It's such a funny scene because like before that, before the arch appears, I'm like, man, like she's really like using this jailbreak as an opportunity for some like self-reflection mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's like therapy as jailbreak. And then yeah. when you realize it's actually jailbreak as workout, you're like, oh. <laughs> this is a show that's super healthy about its depiction of therapy and mental health and i I mean, it gets pretty close to drawing an equivalency between interrogation and <laughs> and talk therapy. Do you ever feel that way? Uh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, do you ever feel like it's really drawn out of you? My therapist uh, does have, uh, you know, four lights up on the, up on the mm-hmm. ceiling behind her. So. I love the Miranda class starship that they escape in. Yeah. Did you, did you see the name? I did. The McDuff. As in Kieran McDuff. Executive Officer Commander Kieran McDuff. Of the TNG episode I was grounded for and had to listen to on a uh, on a radio. Right. When I saw the Miranda class, and this is a this is a class that most people will recognize as like the Reliant class starship of Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. I realized that. While I prefer the Del Sol class, like the modern Nebula class starships of the TNG era, that's 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 my ship. Yeah. I kind of think the Miranda's hotter. <laughs> the Miranda is like the CRX to the Nebula class's Del Sol. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I dig it a whole lot. I feel like it's um it's also partly just that we're seeing like it's a recency bias thing and we're seeing it in this animation style. And I would love to see a Del Sol show up in this show. That's fair. For that yeah. reason. But you see so many ships in the in the background as they escape up this tunnel. Like there is they attack a tick. Yeah. Interesting to think that the ticks might still be part of the Cardassian fleet. Yeah, and as they as they rise through, you get the sense that maybe this is just today's escape ship. And uh, different workouts require different ships for escape for, yeah. for Mariner. I guess so, yeah. I mean, this this is a, a really strong open to this season, I feel like, because so many questions were swirling in my head at the end of the last season about what it was going to look like this season if Mariner was, you know, on team her mom in mm-hmm. a way that she... Uh, you know, she was sneaking around last season and now the big secret is out. And uh, and this really like both both kind of 
addresses that and also plays with all of my expectations of that for comedy mm-hmm. in a way that I just think is really smart and funny. Yeah. One little tweak to the uh, opening credit sequence, the uh, the pack-led super ships are now a part of that Borg-Romulan space battle uh, scene. That seemed to be the only big change that they made. Yeah, it kind of suggests that they are going to be uh, a greater concern this year. Yeah. Though I guess the Romulans weren't a massive deal in season one of Lower Decks. They were, I mean, they were a part of a couple of episodes, but... Yeah. I noticed that uh, Fred Tadascore's credit is still in that uh, sequence, though. I don't care if he's not in any of season two. I think Shax <laughs> was such a great character. It's like a it's like a basketball jersey that gets retired in the rafters. Credit emeritus <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like, uh, keep it going yeah. forever. It became personal with me. So we come back and we're in orbit around a planet and Mariner is in her mom's ready room going through captain's trinkets and suggesting that she... Would like to get a lot of post karma on r slash power washer porn, <laughs> and uh, and uh, this is a second contact mission. This is a, a a planet that has joined the Federation or has like been contacted but hasn't cleaned up their cities in the wake of their industrial revolution. She'd like to uh, put a little spit shine on this uh, capital city. Show them, show them what could uh, what they could have. It's a scene that really tells us what the conflict is and then shows us what the conflict is because Freeman's log is like, uh, working with my daughter, not as great as advertised. <laughs> it, it like covers that elliptical ground between the finale of season one and the premiere of season two. Yeah. And not only do we hear what a pain it's been for her, we see that pain in this scene and we see Mariner getting her way. Yeah. Because she wants this side mission and Freeman grants it. And it's at the cost of noticing her XO who's been in the room the whole time. Ransom yeah. is just sort of waiting for her to uh, cross a T and dot an I before he can leave. I'm sorry, Commander. I forgot you were there. Then he sort just sort of like slumps his shoulders and walks away. You can tell by his posture that he's just not enjoying this new hierarchy. Ass kissing has really given way to resentment for him. And the fact that he is he is not the captain's main concern anymore is is really grating on him. All you have to do with the drawing of Ransom is uh, is make him less erect. Right. Because (laughs) the Ransom of season one was always like chest out, chest out, hips forward, marching, putting a foot up on a thing. Yeah. But even just drawing him. As a, as a regularly postured person, like mm-hmm. you can tell something's off with him. Yeah. If he was walking around like Adam, for example, you right. could t- you would be able to tell that that was a, a sad ransom. Adam equals sad ransom. For sure. <laughs> That's the math. In the bunks, we run into Tendi and Rutherford, who has had his head appliance reattached. This was a, a thing that I uh, forgot was in the trailers, that Rutherford does not look different in season two than he did in season one. Yeah, like no upgrade to the head appliance either. It looks like the the same gear he's always yeah, had. Still a Vulcan model. So he's got a pointy ear on one side. He's still even dating the same girl. He's got a date with Ensign Barnes, the, uh, the Trill character voiced by uh, Jess McKenna yeah. at night. And it's been going really well. Unlike last season, he is actually like pursuing a relationship with her. And Tendi thinks that something is up. She feels like something has changed about him since he got his head appliance reattached. Now he likes pears. That doesn't make any sense to her. She's feeling a great amount of friendship envy, I think. The sort of envy that I think is natural for uh, for friends to feel when one of them pairs off with a special person, you know? Yeah, I keep wondering whether the Rutherford Tendy thing is being steered in a romantic direction because I feel like Mm -hmm. every time I expected it to be because sexual tension or because romantic jealousy in last season, that always got snatched away and, and explained as a friendship thing. And there seems to be continuity from season to season on that at this point. It does play with our expectations because... For time immemorial, Orion meant fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in every scene 
that Tendi is in, that is not part of the subtext of her character. It is not my whole thing. Unless it's like such deep subtext that they are n like not going to show it, show, show it to us as text for a long time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it feels like she isn't being real with herself uh, about something because she has decided that Rutherford is suffering from SMD, which is a disease that uh, cyborgs have that uh, that uh, causes their their personalities to change and then eventually their brains to leak out their noses. Sounds pretty gross. Sounds like one of the grossest diseases that you can imagine. And the animation in her iPad <laughs> really confirms that. <laughs> On the planet surface, we get to meet these Ambergosians. And uh, like part of the the administration that the Cerritos is there to do is is like connect these people with their subspace communications number. This is an interesting bit of trivia to think about, right? Mm -hmm. So like Starfleet does first contact and they just sort of establish all the things that first contact does. But then if you were to join the Federation, yeah, you have got to do a lot of. It's like moving to a new neighborhood, right? <laughs> like you need an address and right, yeah. and you need to know how to pay your utilities and stuff. And the subspace communications number is part of it. There's so much just bureaucracy that you got to do. And uh, these are these are very numerically sensitive aliens. The the guy <laughs> that is their leader doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to just pick any number. I mean, this reminds me of, you know, when I was a teenager and I went to the cell phone store with my dad and we got a cell phone for my dad, a cell phone for my mom and a cell phone for me. And we got three numbers and uh, and he was like, well, let's give the cool one to your mom. And I was like, but I'm a teenager. I need a cool number. What is a cool number even though? I, I mean, of the three, there was one that seemed cool to me at the time. And that's my phone number to this day. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I feel like it's it's like my uh it's almost like my AOL screen name if that stuck with me. Like the thing I chose when I was 15. <laughs> I remember friends telling me after they got their cell phones that like, yeah, I asked for a number that was easy to remember. Yeah. And sure as shit, like they got a really cool punchy number with a bunch of repetitive numerals in them. Yeah. And like, I didn't think to ask that. I got whatever fucking number I was given and yeah. I've been stuck with it forever. Your phone number sucks, Adam. It really does. It's not a cool number. And we'll just give it out now. It's... So Ransom is down there doing this bit of business and this is the last straw for him because he asks Mariner for help and Mariner blows him off yeah. for this power washing job. Yeah. And uh, at uh, Ransom's uh, number two, uh, Lieutenant Stevens is the uh, is, is like all of the ass kiss that Ransom used to used to have as part of his personality has been rarefied and thrust into the character of Stevens. So anytime Mariner is not doing something that Ransom wants him to, uh, Stevens is there to uh, pick up the slack to to try and get uh, Ransom's good graces. I would say Stevens is recognizable as a that guy from season one. Nothing like a cold beer after a smooth second contact. Now that's what I'm talking about. But really had no backstory at all. Like they've really bulked him up this yeah. episode. Well, he also just like looks like the drawing of the uh, chief engineer character played by Paul Shear, whose name yeah. escapes me at the moment, even though I remember making him my Edward Larkin last time we <laughs> had a conversation about him. Right. <laughs> so they are, uh, they're doing the real mission. Mariner takes her power washer and starts uh, cleaning up one of these buildings. It's a, it's a gray grubby facade and as she as she power washes it, it a beautiful mural is revealed and the abergosians are shocked that they live in a city that could be beautiful i mean did you put together whale mural and ambergrosians as a oh as the wordplay there i kind of did but that's as far as my mind got with it mm. i don't know if there's a third thing yeah are they meant to be whale barf people i don't know i, I mean do you know what ambergris looks like? Do they look? Does it look orange the way these people look? I don't know. It's, I'm, in, I'm going to look it up right now while we're while we're here talking. No, it just looks like brown and gross. Okay. It just looks. It looks. It looks like what it is. Barf. There you go. So Mariner starts cleaning the buildings, and what happens here is is she appears to have turned on something that may be solar powered mm. like by cleaning off the gunk 
stuff starts to activate. Uh-oh. I made a clean spot here. The, the first appearance of strange energies appears. Right. And, uh, and these energies take Ransom down. Yeah, he kind of uh, jumps in front of the strange energy bullet because he's trying to he's trying to get Mariner out of the way, and mm-hmm. uh, and this uh, this gives him some uh, you know he's, he's like he's like KO'd his shirt rips open in a sexy way initially, yeah. but then he's like hovering and his eyes are glowing and uh, he's really uh, he's really like whipping up a storm. He seems to have control over the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 climate of this planet and uh he's real cranky he's he's uh he's mad at mariner he's mad at the captain he's mad at dr katz her name is dr tana i love how dr katz kind of tells the captain and the viewer that if you want to know more about what's happening here you can watch an episode of the original series yeah that has to do with Gary Mitchell, but like... She's like, if there's ever an off-season again, the greatest discovery we'll be reviewing, dot, dot, yeah. dot. <laughs> yeah. But I love how seeing that episode uh, is not compulsory to to understanding what's happening here. Because what's happening here, all we need to know is that Ransom has been given godlike powers by whatever this building slash device was that Mariner accidentally opened up and now he's like using entire trees to work his his delts. I love how when Ransom becomes godlike and could probably do anything he wants to do, he still has to get in some reps. Yeah. I wondered what it would have been like if he hadn't gotten there in time and Mariner had taken on the strange energy. Right. I wonder right. if they considered that in breaking the story or if she had to be kind of like present and herself for the, you know, the mommy issues stuff to get worked out. I mean, I feel like the conflict between Ransom and Freeman to come was already done between Mariner and Freeman toward the end of season one. Like, right. like it, it built up slowly and then came to a head in the climax for the last episode in a way that feels very similar in this moment, but could possibly be derivative yeah. uh, given, given what happened between mother and daughter last season. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat, but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was factor meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to you. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below-the-kilt care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscapes.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. 
You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So the the stakes get raised in uh, up on the ship because uh, Captain Freeman gets a FaceTime in her ready room from Admiral Freeman, who is also uh, a parent of Mariners. And he tells her, like, the pack-led thing went so well uh, recently that uh, she'd been considered for getting commissioned on a capital ship, which would be a big promotion for her. And uh, so, you know, she doesn't want to screw this up. She doesn't want the second contact mission with the Abregosians to be a embarrassment with uh, the godhead of, uh, of her first officer <laughs> uh, killing everyone or whatever. This is the squeeze, right? Because it, it reveals that Captain Freeman is a cog in the Starfleet machine just like anyone else. Right. And Feel, feeling the pressure of best behavior and, and not letting someone who's ranked above her know how she's struggling. And she's like such a careerist and it's such an uncomfortable position because the person below her that's causing her the most grief is her daughter and the person above her that she is trying to curry favor with professionally is her husband yeah it's tough it's a, a tough, tough position to be in but he can't play favorites he's an admiral you know they're talking yeah. in an official capacity right now admirals always do things the right way <laughs> it's never nubbin motivated no this gives her the motivation to to really uh you know take the fight to god ransom but meanwhile, down in the uh, in the place where the lower decks hang out, Tendi is uh, putting a bunch of electrodes on Rutherford. Uh, this is this this episode maybe more than any other episode of Lower Decks does some great stuff with the comedy of the B story not giving a shit about what's going on with the A story. Yeah, and uh, I think this is like this is the first good moment of that. Like she's just like shocking Rutherford and trying to like change his mind about whether pears are good or not. Do you still like pears? Yes. You volunteered, didn't you? Yeah, but I didn't know you were gonna be giving me electric shocks. And uh, it's kind of kind of feels like a Voight Kampf test that she's administering at one point. Right. Uh, and he fails and, and, and is so cheesed off at how much he's, she's hurting him that he just kind of like tells her to take a hike and, and goes off to uh, enjoy his date. I like how Rutherford's written and I always have because he presents as a real pushover, do good. Yeah. But time and time again, like he sticks up for himself. You can be nice and have a backbone and that's Rutherford. Totally. An admirable quality. I, I wish I could stick up for myself like this. <laughs> we get our first appearance of a medical rifle that Tendi assembles at the end of this scene, which I love the idea of. <laughs> Maybe my biggest laugh in the, <laughs> the episode was when she opens yeah. that, that starts putting together the rifle out of pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Back on the planet, Ransom has continued to demonstrate himself as a being of pure ego. Mm. Uh, maybe one of the one of the biggest ways of proving this is that he creates a race of Ransomites mm -hmm. by waving his hand over the Ambrogosians and turning them into his own image. Ooh, ooh, 
do me, sir! A conflict breaks out here, which is that Mariner wants to shoot him with the with the uh, power washing ray, and the captain wants to reason with him and do like uh, Starfleet diplomacy type stuff. Doctor Katz is a fucking badass. She just like hops on his leg and is about to hypo spray him. <laughs> But he turns the hypo spray into an ice cream cone and then like turns his clothes into like a Mortal Kombat character. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Mariner like tries to shoot him. This does not go well, Enterprise. I like this foreshadowing here. And this happens a lot in Star Trek Lower Decks. Like Mariner wants to do a thing. Freeman wants to do a thing. Freeman is proven right by the end. Mm-hmm. He makes his head really big. That goes and floats up into space and becomes the primary source of conflict for the ship while his headless body keeps hanging around down on the planet, uh, you know, turning mountains into Mount Ransom Moors and uh, turning all of the like, you know, municipal art in this city into workout equipment. He just ruined our museum of popular music. That sounds like something you don't need. I love it. It's so great. <laughs> and then his his ransom clones just start using the workout gear. Yeah. Speaking of great, is uh, his Rutherford's date? It's going awesome. Yeah. Until Tendy walks in and starts licking shots in the atmosphere with her medical gun, trying to shoot medical venom at him. Barnes is so cool that like this doesn't phase her at all. She's she's got plans to go swimming later, and nothing is going to get in the way of those plans. Rutherford yeah. can come if he wants to. <laughs> there is there is a moment where Rutherford is like fleeing from Tendy down a hallway and just throws away the line. I just want to go swimming with girls. Yeah, <laughs> I really laughed at. <laughs> I really feel seen by Rutherford. There. <laughs> What happens a lot in Star Trek is is like the ship shoots at a thing and it only makes that thing stronger. And that's what happens when the Cerrito shoots at Ransom's head. Yeah. He loves this shit. <laughs> it, it makes him want to eat the Cerritos. He starts treating the Cerritos like a smash burger. I love the animation of like where his hands go in relation to the saucer section. <laughs> like warping the, the yeah. force field of the, of, the, uh, of the shields as he bites into it. <laughs> it's really great. And, and as Rutherford and Tendi continue to argue, Ransom's head is in the background outside the windows. And this is like... A visual interplay that is just so funny. Like, it's much funnier than than how it could be described, these two storylines working uh, simultaneously. Yeah, like the the extent to which Tendi and Rutherford, Rutherford do not care about the giant mm-hmm. ransom head floating around in the window outside. Their, yeah. Their, their showdown. And this comes to a head. Tendi admits that this uh, this disease that she has diagnosed him with is kind of just a pretext for her to see if she can fix whatever is changing his personality because she's worried that if his personality changes too much, she might not be his friend anymore, which would be really sad. Rutherford reassures her that that's never going to happen and they're always going to be friends. So chill the fuck out. Yeah. Take it down a notch, Tendy. There are no notches being taken down between ransom head and the Cerritos because we start to hear some of the gripes, some of the totally valid gripes that that ransom head has about how things are going on the Cerritos because he doesn't like working with Mariner and resents having to because of the nepotism, right? Yeah. He was second in command and now he's kind of not. He feels like he's qualified to be a captain and... So, and what Captain Freeman realizes is that, like, stroking the parts of his ego that have been bruised by recent developments on the ship uh, is kind of distracting Ransom Head and uh, and making him a little bit less violent toward them. And so she's like, oh, like, this is the solution. This is the simplistic solution to this problem. I'll just, uh, I'll stroke, 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 and then he will stop trying to eat us. One of the things I liked about the first season most was how great of a office work allegory Lower Decks is. And this is the moment in this episode that I found extremely familiar. Like the the epiphany that a managerial figure has and like, oh, I could just be cool. Yeah. And things would get better around here. 
Like all she has to do is be nice. Right. And and God Jack loves it. Except for then he kind of takes it too far, which is also a part of that allegory, like the sure. employee that thinks he deserves a promotion getting a little too much praise can really go sideways. You need the happy medium. Like you can neutralize caustic cynicism with praise, but you can also, with too much praise, create a giant headed monster. Right. And the only way to uh, to really take the piss out of that giant headed monster is by ball shots. And yeah. so <laughs> that's what Mariner has has struck on down on the planet. She's uh she's just repeatedly groin kicking the disemheaded body of uh, Commander Ransom and uh, the the head like recedes down to the planet surface, reattaches his, his mortal combat uniform goes away and he has like a big rainbow barf. On the ground. This doesn't quite cure him of it, but it's get, it's gotten most of the strange energy out of him. Uh, she has to she has to ball shot him like like five or six more times before it's totally out. A few more ball shots than you normally get in the Star Trek episode, I'd say. Yeah, there was a shot here that I wanted to call attention to, which is. During one of the ball shots, Ransom's head flies back Uh and kind of breaks the visual format of the show, much like, like, you remember when, uh, when South Park went from purely 2D to like a 45 degree angle sometimes, Uh and it would be like visually spectacular when they did that. Right. There is a, there's an angle that Ransom's head takes post ball shot that evokes that feeling here. Right. That I thought was really cool. And his head is drawn in such a specific way. Into a monster. Back and to the left. Because it's all jaw when 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 his head tilts back and you can really get a sense of of that jawline. I I just love that moment and it goes by in a flash, but I definitely wanted to to call attention to it. Yeah. I mean, this is the show that's going to really scrutinize uh, the ball shot continuity in moments like this. That's that's the greatest generation, greatest discovery promise. Listen, we know there are a lot of Lower Decks podcasts out there. We know there are a lot of new Trek podcasts out there in general on Lower Decks podcasts in in particular, some of which have stolen their names from things we said. But this is the one where you're going to get the closest, most detailed attention to what's happening to balls. Mariner gets out of the way just in time for Dr. Katz to drop a boulder <laughs> on Ransom's body. And then uh, everything goes back to normal. The moon's back. Yeah. Uh, the Mount Ransom Moor's gone. Uh, all the buildings are back to normal. All the all the Ransom people are restored. I imagine the gym's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, because he also moved all of those uh, monuments and things. I wonder if they yeah. stop being gym equipment, but stay where he moved them to. Which could yeah, be its well, own headache. <laughs> but anyways, uh, back on the ship, they are warping away and, uh, you know, Ransom is going to recover. Uh, he's going to be just fine. And the captain and Mariner uh, kind of download what happened and, and talk about maybe this like Mariner being the captain sidekick situation is not such a great arrangement. And also maybe Mariner should uh, <laughs> think about it in the brig. Yeah, it makes you wonder if anything is really going to structurally change in their relationship. They can say it. Yeah. But until it's backed up with any sort of action, like you just don't know. Yeah. What do you think the charge is that Mariner goes to the brig on? Because, I mean, she was, she did have dispensation from the captain to go down and do the the power washing, right? It seems like if, if Mariner is sent to the brig for what she did... Ransom should go to death row in the break. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, I mean, this is Starfleet. Like, if if uh, if Picard did Wolf three five nine, I think that and and got to keep being captain of the D. Ransom Ransom is going to be just fine. Yeah. Guess so. You get the sense that Mariner is like kind of used to coming down to the brig though, because she's got like her little like check marks on the wall and she's mm-hmm. hanging out with Rutherford and Tendy. And they talk about Boims. They they talk about how much they miss him, but how much he's probably doing the thing he loves the most over there on the USS Titan. And that's a uh, a smash cut too. Yeah, aboard the Titan, they are they're under attack by a swarm of ships and I mean, the uh, the contrast between the panic of a Boimler 
and the the relishing of the moment <laughs> by a Riker comes to a point when I think as the ship enters this wormhole and everyone gets warped, you hear <laughs> you hear Riker say, "I love my job." <laughs> Very funny line. I love the like writing of Riker like the therapist in the last season, like working in food references all the time, Riker working yeah. in jazz references all the time. I read an interview with Frakes and I think, I mean, it could have been uh, a person from the press, but I also feel like anyone could just walk up to Jonathan Frakes and ask him questions mm. and, and like you'd get this kind of candor from him. <laughs> no way. But the article I read seemed to suggest that the Riker of Lower Decks is a brand new construction by Mike McMahon. Like, like Frakes is comfortable with the idea of, of the character being teased out in this way. Yeah. In a way that may be like a very different character. Yeah. In a way that, that he's comfortable with. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Like ransom, but really good, basically. Did you miss Boimler when we cut to him? I kind of did. It was fun to be back over there. It was fun to be back over there. It, uh, it was... I love the idea that it's just terrifying to be on the Titan. Like, I don't really know. I, I'm, I'm sure if I'd read more of the books, I would understand the the reputation of the Titan a little bit better. And uh, we did that uh, novelization, uh, the the book on tape uh, for the off season that was, you know, largely set aboard the Titan. Yeah. Um, but like, I guess, I guess there's a type of Star Trek fan that really like knows all about that, that right. chapter in, in Frakes's life. And I wonder if the Titan as terrifying ship of war is like, cause it seems like they're like their, their primary, their primary mission is like just getting into firefights with pack leads at this point. I really feel like Boimler needs to be where he is after season one, because I think the character ran out of shit to do. And when you're a try hard character, yeah. I think there are only so many ways to depict that. And, and so by, by, Cutting him off from his friends and setting him apart, I think that is just a great choice yeah. going forward in season two. And I really, I really wonder how long he's going to be over there. And I'm, I'm hoping it's as long as possible. I think it's going to do nothing but improve the possibilities for his character and the storytelling here. Think of all the fun adventures he's going on. Anyways, why, why don't we uh, get on to our, uh, our, our assessment of the episode on the whole? Did you like this episode? Yeah, I really did. I I think it continues to be my favorite of the of the new Star Treks. It's just it delights me, especially with how efficient it is. It's such a short episode every time, <laughs> and its hit rate is still so strong. Yeah, the activity of being in a audience to watch it and to laugh with a bunch of people was just a great experience. It's as close as I've been to seeing something in a movie theater even though like we were you know outside in adirondack chairs like i really it made me miss being around people consuming a thing for entertainment yeah and uh, and what a great thing to have watched for that reason i think uh, i think lower decks is just so much fun and this first episode of season two was really great you know this episode really starts with a bang like a great cold open and i like the way it resolves at the end i think like maybe the middle part of the episode dragged a little bit for me maybe there were like one too many beats back and forth between the planet mm -hmm. and the ship or something like that and i wasn't familiar with the like gary mitchell uh story or whatever like i haven't seen that episode of tos or if i have it's been a really long time so um some of the references were lost on me, but overall, I, I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I will say I didn't care if Rutherford was or wasn't okay. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know to what extent I was supposed to. Like, is that a deficiency of the episode or is that how it was as intended? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that it's... Um... Yeah, like I, I was kind of annoyed at Tendi uh, after a while, just mm -hmm. like... This isn't yeah. like like Rutherford is being cool as hell and you're being annoying as fuck. Just just lay off. And right. the motivations of the characters in that B story was a little like wishy-washy, but 
there there is sort of an, a, a compounding effect though right is rutherford as o'brien as recipient of torture yeah is a thing that is happening on lower decks and is not happening to tendy to the degree that like uh i feel like we need to put tendy in more danger or or something something to equalize the tendy and rutherford dynamic because you're right it makes me like tendy less yeah. when when i don't want to yeah yeah i think that they uh that's a, a character that i'm looking for season two to uh, explore a lot more because i felt like she was the the least of the four in season one all right well uh do you want to get into our priority one inbox and see what we've got in there adam yeah let's head over Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Adam, our first priority one message is from Ramon LP4, and it's to Ben and Adam off-season suggestions. All right. <laughs> ah, man, this is terrible timing, Ramon LP4. <laughs> yeah, if only this came two months before this. Yeah. One, TGG measure of a man. Get meta and review an episode of your show. Two, Incubus, his eyes uncovered. Watch the Shatner Esperanto film without subtitles and review it in Tamarian. Oh, no. Three, Canar with Picard. Create unique cocktails for the TV slash film roles of Patrick Stewart. All right. Four, the sheer effing hubris. Review your film school projects. No way. (laughs) Five. Oh, fuck it. Let's just do a Quark's Bar with Faith Sailor. With Faith Sailor. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's the winner. That is a, That's that, the best idea of all of them. That is a great idea. You really saved the best for last, Ramon LP4. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope we get to do all of these. I mean, my... Uh, I... I I pray that my student films never see the light of day and nobody ever gets to watch them. But uh, you know, a great way to ensure that Ben is uh, taking a cordless drill to those hard drives. <laughs> um, you know, my uh, Baron Vaughn, the uh, stand-up comedian, was the star of my student film. He's he's the only thing in the movie that is any good. That doesn't surprise me at all. Baron Vaughn's awesome. Baron Vaughn is so much better than than your movie or most things. <laughs> he really outclassed the hell out of the whole the whole proceedings. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, he's also just like like Baron this the Baron Vaughn you see on stage is the Baron Vaughn you meet in real life. Like he has like so much personality. And then like when he's not doing that, he's like asleep. He has he's either going at like a thousand miles an hour or zero miles an hour. There's no in between. Yeah, that is that is not me. <laughs> I envy that quality. Yeah, I I hope we continue to keep Faith Saley in the in the in the greatest podcast ecosystem. She's just a delight. Yeah, and uh, and totally game for whatever. I uh, yeah, a, a quarks bar with her any day, any day of the week, mon frere. Ben, our second priority one message is from Matt L, and it is to Ben, Adam, and the FOD. The message goes like this, Ben and Adam, or Adam and Ben, Mm. thanks for the show. Have you listened to Gates McFadden Investigates, Who Do You Think You Are? I know the colon is usually a bad sign, but I think the Friends of DeSoto might get a kick out of it. Dr. Crusher interviews Wesley, LaForge... Will, Data, Worf, it's been a fun listen. Love you. So Matt L, Matt L snuck into our uh, our personal priority ones with what reads like a uh, commercial priority one message. Matt L, yeah, shilling for Gates McFadden. If we find out that Matt L has a financial stake in Investigates, who do you think you are? podcast i think uh, i think we're gonna have a problem here but uh i think what we have here is a matt l mcfadden <laughs> i think that's what's happening uh i actually have not gotten a chance to listen to that yet one of the like weird ironies about being a podcaster for my job is that so much of my day is spent like editing or working on text things that are related to the podcast that i just don't have as much free time that like an audio program could be happening during uh-huh. as I used to. And so I I have listened to less and less podcasts over the last few years. 
And also, uh, their people and our people talked about a possible interview, and she turned us down. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not holding a grudge or anything, but like, uh, you know, I'm a grudge holder, Ben. Wow. Wow. Brutal. Um, my feelings remain unhurt. Uh, I, the door remains open, and I want to give that show a fair shake. It doesn't. I mean, she's a busy woman. She's a. She is. She's a. Uh, she's Star Trek royalty, and we're just. We're just chuds scraping the bottom of the barrel. We're the biggest Star Trek podcast in the world, man. That's what I'm saying. She's also new to podcasting. That may not be clear to her yet. Maybe we can help her out. I mean, the the uh, the official podcast came around. We did a promo swap with them, and that was great for both of us. It was. Peaceful coexistence. Yeah. Ben, that's what I'm after. A rising tide raises all Star Trek podcasts. It's true. We're all friends. Yeah. All of us. Everybody is friends over here. Anyways, if you'd like to get a Priority One message... Uh, I'm looking at a wide open calendar for future episodes of The Greatest Discovery. So uh, get them in. It's MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin! Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it to post uh, Operation Rutherford because Tendy does get her grubby mitts on his brains mm-hmm. in an in a in a beat we don't actually get on on screen mm-hmm. she fixes the thing that was making him enjoy pears and, mm-hmm. and, and he says fuck pears toward the end of the episode and yeah. i i want to say fuck rutherford pears are great it's not rutherford's fault though because he loved pears and that was his true feeling and and he and he got his brain scrubbed in another direction this is not his fault and i don't believe it's his true opinion he's been programmed into hating pears programmed into hating pears but also sorry rutherford you lost me if you've been programmed into hating pears we can't be buddies anymore pears rule pears rule rutherford drools I tell you what, though, I never eat a pear like an apple the way Rutherford does. I always cut it off the off the core. Yeah, you get, you get a lot more uh, enjoyment from a pear if you if you slice it up. Little slices. Yeah, that's what I like. Maybe poach it in some brandy, like a Frenchman. That's too much work. <laughs> Adam, did you have an Edward Larkin? God ransom is one of the purest expressions of Edward Larkin. Yeah. Right, Edward Larkin. You could argue in his episode of Short Treks achieved this sort of godlike feeling for himself. <laughs> I find the similarities astounding yeah. between them. And I and I personally just want to say that I love that uh Jack Ransom, once given God power, continues to just be afflicted with the issues that he had as a non-god. Like, like he had every reason and opportunity to let those things go and yeah. he just couldn't just Totally preoccupied. He could go on and have a happy life as a god, mm-hmm. uh, but just could not, <laughs> could not let go his gri- of his gripes. And so, I, I definitely appreciate the the a story that Ransom's given here right off the bat. Yeah, because it feels like Ransom was underserved as a character in season one. I like coming out of the gate and giving him a big story in season two, mm-hmm. and uh, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Just really like my time with Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. I feel like we really hit it off there. Yeah. You and Jerry O'Connell might be best friends now. We're friendly. He invited me over to his houses. <laughs> I, went to, I went to his houses party. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Pranica, close personal friend of Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Working on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Ransom's my Edward Larkin. What do we have coming up next week, Adam? Oh, you know, it's the second episode of season two of Lower Decks, Ben. You're right about that, Adam. It's episode two of season two. It's Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. Mm. We've already seen it. We saw it earlier tonight. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's very good. It's got some uh, good voice talent brought to bear on Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. It's true. And yeah, you're really, you're really going to love it, I think. You're going to recognize some of these voices for sure if you like listening to podcasts. Yeah. So uh, that'll, be, that'll be the thing we review next week. Um, and possibly just we'll just roll right into it tonight. I mean, who knows? Who knows where the night will take us, Adam? Yeah, I'm, I'm fueled on these cookies, mm-hmm. these cookies and, and margs. I might chase those cookies with some, some blue drinks. 
Yeah, I mean, can you imagine what's happening in my in my tome right now? <laughs> Cookies and Margs. Cookies and Margs. I better take a brood is what I need to do. Shrimp cocktail, chimichangas. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. I watched Adam just house a plate of mini chimichangas before we went to the to the screening, so. Yeah, and guess who held it together? Yeah. This guy. A feat of strength to, to rival the kinds of shit I do to myself when we're on tour. <laughs> Adam is healing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. Now there will be some credits. The Greatest Discoveries and Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Thanks to Paramount Plus for inviting us to the Lower Decks premiere party. Our apologies to Mike McMahon for taking too long in that line at the bar. You can see a picture of me and Ben at the Lower Decks premiere party on our Greatest Trek Twitter and Instagram accounts. Those handles are at Greatest Trek. Those accounts are a regular source of fun. Thanks to Bill Tilly, our social media director. Today's episode of The Greatest Discovery kicks off season two of Lower Decks and a run of weekly episodes about new Star Trek shows that might not ever end. It's a good thing The Greatest Discovery is audience-supported because we couldn't make it without those who support The Greatest Discovery on a monthly subscription-style basis. You can join them by going to MaximumFun.org join. Thanks to Adam Ragusea, who made our theme and interstitial music. When he's not making music for us, he's making food on his wildly popular YouTube channel for his literal millions of subscribers. Fans of the show call themselves Friends of DeSoto, and you can make friends with them at the many fan-created communities on Discord at DrunkShimoda.com. Facebook, Reddit, and everywhere else social media happens. We'll be back next week for episode two of the second season of Lower Decks, and we hope to see you here with us next time on The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.